0: This morning turn in your scriptures this morning as we continue on in our series on security. Today is titled and it, you you all have a uh, you all have a bulletin and in that bulletin you have a blank sheet of paper. That is there so that you can run quadratic equations and theorems on solving all things vaccine-related. No, it's not for that whatsoever. It's for uh, writing down notes, which will be a little challenging today. You're going to have to hearken back to your college days, high school days, of when there was simply a lecture, and you just got to listen and write things down. But there's some vastly important information this morning as we talk about secure documents. Secure documents. We're going to start back with our passage out of Psalm 40. This is our theme passage for our entire ser- uh, sermon series. And I can relate to this passage deeply based off of events in my life, past, present, and future Let me read to you again from Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon the rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Amen? Let's go before the Lord and ask that his spirit would open the eyes of our heart today that we might glean some value to what we're looking at and examining in a very uncertain time, right? We have such an uncertain time. How many of you have, have already been all over the internet investigating whether this vaccine is safe, right? Yeah, yeah. Some of you are like, I don't want to admit it, but okay. Right, or you've talked to your doctor, or or how many of you refuse to take that medication that's listed on TV late at night because the side effects and damages comprise of two-thirds of the commercial, so much so that you forget what it was for in the first place. Right? Information, information, information. What we're looking for is security in information. So for us as believers in Jesus Christ, Where is our security? How are our steps made secure? It is through God's instruction, amen? Let's open with prayer. Father, we ask and beg of you that you would equip us with every good thing. Today, Father, I come to you with the full assurance, the security, knowing that your word will speak. Even if our man-made processes and technology and how we stumble around Sometimes just doesn't work. It crashes. It's not super secure. Yet the word of God stands. So today, we are already secure in our steps moving forward in our service. There is no need to worry. Speak to us. To you be all glory, Father. Amen. Psalm 40 verse 4 is actually where I want you to focus. Now that should capture your attention because it's never been part of the narrative, has it? See, context is so important if we keep going past verse 3, right? The latter part of verse 3, you've heard it over and over. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord, right? Secure steps. But listen, because it gets very applicable here. The psalmist David goes on to say these words. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? Straight out of the Jeremiah 17 passage that I shared with you several weeks ago. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud. Does not turn to the proud. To those who go astray... After a lie. It's happened, folks. That dreaded moment in my life happened this past Monday. I appreciate your prayers. I think your prayers got me through it. 2 p.m., Monday afternoon. I had my first physical in 22 years, and it was not good. As a matter of fact, I got lectured. I kind of knew a lecture was coming because I believed in lies. I believed in lies. I was proud. Look at me. Aren't I a specimen of physical beauty and health? Thank you, from the front row. (laughs) If you didn't catch that on the broadcast, there was a resolving amen from the front row. We got about two minutes in, and we got to the one point I was dreading. No, not that. That happened later, and I dread that too. No, this had to do with a cuff, some squeezable air, And something to do with my heart. And when silence struck the medical assistant, and they walked out of the room with their head hanging low, I knew I was in trouble. The doctor came in, looked at the chart, and said, so have you been taking your blood pressure medication?" And I was so excited to tell him that I had researched how blood pressure medication is a farce, right? You've read that stuff. Blood pressure medication is a farce, and actually, you make your body dependent, and and there's these side effects to it, and in fact, I don't feel any different when I'm on it. There's that proud part. And then there was the lying part. You hear how I'm connecting this to Scripture? And then he came to me with secure information, real data, undisputable data, and said, you are at level two hypertension. And I said, do you know I'm a pastor? Thank you, Mike, from the front row. I'm still in denial that this has anything to do with my actions. And he said your numbers are 161 over 101 and I said is that bad (laughs) I don't even know what good numbers are and I proceeded to get a lecture for about 10 minutes and then I agreed okay I'll go get and my wife was at the pharmacy within 15 minutes of my appointment getting my blood pressure medication. I will let you know, you can all breathe easy. plan on being around for quite a while. I'm already down after four days. I'm already down to a healthy 138 over 89. I know, shocking, isn't it? You know, don't you feel more secure for the health of your pastor already? I know my wife does. I still don't feel any different. But you know what's fascinating is we use this technique all the time in our life. And then suddenly when the heart attack comes and we're laying on the ground and it's our last few moments, we're saying, I I don't get it. I felt secure. I did my homework. There are so many choices in our life over and over where the pride in us comes and it supersedes the beauty, the perfection, the strength of scripture. And so often we don't even bother appealing to scripture because we already have got it figured out, don't we? It's my job this morning to encourage you to question your steps and to think about how secure documents really are important in our life and what should be categorized as a secure document. The most secure document in our life. Let me give you a couple other passages this morning as we move forward. See, Brian, there's no reason to worry. I downloaded for the first time ever just on happen chance my PowerPoint right here. Oh, wait a minute. It's up. Look at that. <sighs> Miracles happen. Psalm one nineteen You're familiar with this passage. Your word is a lamp to my and a light unto my Secure steps. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I'm, I'm hitting some of the early passages we would have memorized in our Sunday school or as an early believer. The writer says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make straight your what? Your paths. Acts 1:16. Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before him by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. You're like, wait a minute, that seems a little weird. We're talking about Judas and all this. Catch the part where it says the scriptures had to be fulfilled. The scripture is Reliable. Even when it's difficult to ascertain, it is reliable and based off its fulfilled prophecies, based off its fulfilled promises that are so challenging and so difficult on so many levels, it is virtually, virtually... Stat- ...instructions to remain faithful. And yet, it is. Amen? Continuing on this morning, thinking about security, I I received this lecture in, in thinking about my own pride and thinking about how I've gone to places to read and get the evidence that fills my own agenda. Right? kind of a ridiculous agenda, spiritually, how do we do this? Spiritually, how do we listen more to the lies of people around us, give our heart, our convictions, our knowledge over to things that cannot hold anywhere close to the shadow of Scripture? I think mostly it's because we do not test this, we do not get into it, we fail to have enough faith to live by it in faith, or we just don't know it. And yet we wonder why suddenly we find ourselves in insecure spots. The beauty of what Scripture will do for you is, no matter what your circumstances are, secure or insecure." Paul says it, right? He says, "I've learned to be content in all circumstances, whether in need or, or whether I have all things. I've learned the secret of that, and that's where this prolific passage comes that Steph Curry and so many others have heralded. "I can do therefore, I can do all things through Christ, who what? Strengthens me." So this morning, as we move forward, I'm going to give you the cipher of security. This is the part where you go, jung jung jung. right? The cipher of security, this is to help you, right? I remember uh, 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 my daughter's boyfriend, Samer, he's in uh, engineering and and works for Tesla. I remember my father, he worked on the space shuttle uh, and and he really was a rocket scientist and, and everything is acronyms in that business, right? So I'm gonna work with you under kind of the auspices of security and the cipher of security. We have number one today, reliability of scripture. Number two, authority of scripture. Number three, design of scripture. How do we want to uh, assimilate this into our thinking? Let's just make it rad. Hit the next slide. Boom, yes, so effective, so exciting. And so uh, use the rad approach when coming to an understanding of secure steps through scripture. Let's start with the reliability of scripture, okay? So if we're gonna look at scripture being that which can secure my steps, let's talk about reliability. I remember doing a hike in my mid-20s, about this time of year, and we found a waterfall, and it was, a, it was about a 35, 40-foot high waterfall And we had no idea that it existed, but we all wanted to see what was up above. And so we started uh, trying to scale this thing far off to the right and we could get about 15 feet up and there was a tree growing out of the side of the cliff and we could get to the tree and maybe two steps scaling against this, this granite edifice, right? And then that was about as far as we could get because the next step was really, really challenging and difficult and we didn't have any ropes, we didn't have anything. And down below were were big, sharp boulders. And nobody really wanted to fall on that. So I got all excited that I was gonna be the guy that, that pioneered beyond anybody else. And I actually did a lunge off of this pivot and caught the next spot and was able to get up. What I didn't think about was when I got to the very top, I walked right through the middle of the stream. Now when you've walked through the middle of a stream, what tends to be underneath that water? Algae and moss. And I didn't feel insecure at all until I had to come down that waterfall. And all of a sudden, my left foot slips out and I'm about 35 feet up and my friends are below me and they're looking up and I remember their faces I figured, that, see, that's where my pride gets in. I figured if I could survive this, I can, I can do 180 over 300 on blood pressure, right? So I remember looking at my friends' faces, and th- their faces just exemplified, uh, he's going to die, right? Because they moved out of the way. <laughs> like, nobody's going to catch me. <laughs> it's just, you're going to die. We're out of here. And God literally worked a miracle. And what I really did see in my friends' faces was a look of shock because they said I bounced sideways against that cliff face enough that I could actually grab hold of the tree and not fall to either. Well, it's so gory just thinking about it. Let's move on. The reason that happened was my pride. And because of where I was stepping. Because what I was stepping through was not reliable. The Word of God needs to be reliable. So, our scripture in looking at this, there's so many, but I'm going to give you key component scriptures to hold on to this morning, moving through. So, in the, in the understanding of the reliability of scripture, let's look at 2 Peter 1 20 through 21 where Peter himself is giving testimony to how Scripture has come about. One who walked with Christ himself, one who knew the Old Testament, one who was a defender of the faith, one who was constantly criticized for the new gospel in light of the Old Testament. And what does Peter say? He says, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Have you ever been burnt because you went to a Bible study and they went through a passage and the leader says something beautifully uh, espoused in these kinds of, of uh, erudite expressions? Well, what that says to me, is not what it says to you. 161 over 101 Warning, you're going to blow a carotid. You're going to blow your steps. It's not about what it says to you. Peter says it right here. There is no scripture that's based off of some prophet's own interpretation. We'll get to a funny illustration of this in a moment. I'm not done sharing from my life and the disaster that it is yet. So he says, no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Therefore, it's not subjective. It is reliable because Scripture comes from whom? God. When you say something, do you know what you're saying? Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully you know what you're saying. Hopefully you know your meaning. Hopefully you know your intent. You and I may not communicate clearly, but it's usually what I find is it's on the other person not listening really well. Not so much my communication problems. It's it's you, not me. Right? But in all seriousness, how often do we communicate something we know exactly what we're trying to communicate and it gets muddled in someone's interpretation? Does that mean that my message was not reliable? No. Right? We know what our message is, and that message cannot be distorted, twisted. You know your intent. You know your intention. The same thing with God's word. God knew exactly what he wanted to communicate, and it's our responsibility in order to make this reliable, it's our responsibility to figure out what The proper interpretation is of what he is saying. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Reliability of Scripture. I'm going to give you some points here that are going to help you uh, walk through. This is not a lesson. This is not a theological treatise or class. If it were, I would go through every single point and there was... This would take till May for me to be able to give an accurate description. But this is the part that you write down and you research away from here. Number one, scripture is self-evident. If I tell you I'm 180 pounds wet, do you believe me? Why are you laughing, Bill? That is not a reliable statement. Now, if I were to tell you I'm hot up here because I'm wearing this wonderful Valentine's Day gift from my wife because I love her, do you see the evidence? Do you see the sweat on my brow? Is that reliable? That's called self-evident. That within the scripture, the scripture itself gives evidence. It is consistent all the way through with its own message It doesn't contradict, by the way, textual criticism, that's the first thing that you hear from individuals that want to discount the scriptures, right? Is that there's what? Inconsistencies. No, there are not inconsistencies, right? One of the most famous ones has to do with the uh, four gospels, that you will hear two uh, of the writers, maybe Mark has his own opinion, and, and maybe Matthew has his own opinion, but when you look at those different accounts of the same situation, they don't actually contradict one another. They may not tell the story the same way, but if you all go through the experience today, you know, Brian's going to go home and he's going he's to call up a friend and he's going to have to vent, right? And it's all going to be about how the electronics didn't work, where Victoria is going to go home and say, Pastor Jeremy was on point today. Both things are true. <laughs> So when it comes to this criticism that there's inconsistency in Scripture and they want to attack, they're not doing their homework. Because that argument has been out there for a very long time, and if it held water, the Scripture and our faith would be over. It would be done. Do we get that? So therefore, self-evidence is just one key component that scripture is reliable. Next, textual criticism, variance. What does this mean? It means going into the Greek. It means going into the Hebrew. It means looking at the historical, the archeological, and saying, is this an accurate interpretation? What we have in our hands, is it accurate? What is fascinating is, again, the proofs that that when we ended up with uh, the King James Version, Uh, There were X amount, and and I don't have the numbers immediately right now, but let's just say we had 300 uh, texts that were found that verified Scripture, right? So so we take the King James Version comes from the Vulgate, which Jerome translated from the Septuagint in in roughly 400 uh, A.D., right? Sorry, I haven't said that in a long time. And and what happened as a result of that is you have this translation that that one man does, never a good idea. And then what happens is you have multiple documents and manuscripts that are found through archaeology in the past century. And when you get those 300 manuscripts and textual critics go over them, and they, they arrive at this understanding, scientific, undisputed, data proves it, that the only variance, and the variance, what, what does that mean, a variant? That means a difference, a variation, right? The only variations are around simple things like punctuation or a conjunction word, or maybe you have the instead of God, right, or, 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 you know, something like that. It doesn't change the message. Take all of those variants and add them all up, and what they found was what you and I have out of the King James version is ninety-eight percent spot on. Now, let me ask you a question: to deal with secure steps, how many don't raise your hand? We're not gonna out anybody. How many of you are ready to take that vaccine? And we've been told it's like 88, 89% good to go for knocking out the virus. We like those odds, don't we? If you can go and look at texts that we found the date prior to Jerome writing the Latin Vulgate and what he wrote as one man, lines up with all of those texts, and all of those 300 texts line up with each other, except for roughly 1.8%, and that 1.8% is just grammatical stuff. Do you understand how supernatural that is? Now I'm going to blow your mind. Take that 300 and extrapolate it out to over 600,000. Examples that have been found in the past 25 years. And that statistic still holds true. As a matter of fact, it's gone up because of the amount of manuscripts and documents that they have found through archaeology. Is your Bible reliable? It is more reliable than any history that you have ever read. It is more reliable than any science book you have ever studied. And it has proven itself supernaturally, even in the face of textual criticism. Just to share with you how important this is, that words matter. Because if we didn't have an accurate translation, we would be all over the map as far as truly understanding God, wouldn't we? If we don't have the accurate description of who God is and his expectation and purpose for his people, we're going to be all over the map and we're not going to really know who God is. So words matter. I learned this lesson last night. I was in my backyard yesterday, and I, was, I had my headphones in. I was trying to talk to people while I was doing a, a backyard project, right? We have this water feature that uh, is more a, a burden <laughs> than it is a joy. Um, it's a great joy when everything's good and clean, but it was quickly becoming a prop for Swamp things 6. And I had been saying for about two months, I need to get out there on a Saturday and clean this. So you have to drop a pump in, you have to you know, pump out the whole thing, and then you have to get the sludge. And I swear to you, something popped up to me while I was standing in the middle of all that stuff and was moving. And uh, you don't wanna know what I looked like when that happened, but got that all cleaned up, and then got clean, fresh water in there, and got the clarifier in there, flipped on the switch, and it was going. And, and then I got home late last night, like, I don't know, 8, not too late, 8, 8 o'clock. And uh, I, I reset the lights on it because the rainstorm had tripped the, tripped the breaker. And, and so I turned on the lights, and I wanted to turn on the waterfall. And, and, and my wife said, it's been on all day. I said, I fixed that thing. I've been gone all day. I want to see it work. So I told you-know-who... Because my son set up the technology where you can just say, Al, Exa, turn on Waterfall. Right? And so it goes on, which is great. Last night, we're wrapping everything up. It's time to go to bed. Time to turn off everything. And so I say, Alexa, stop the Waterfall. Nothing. Alexa, stop the Waterfall. Now, that's pretty clear to you and I what I'm asking for, right? Why can she not get it? Alexa, turn off the waterfall. No, no, I'm sorry, stop the waterfall. So then I go into the room to look face-to-face at, you know, her. <laughs> Alexa, turn, uh, stop the waterfall. And then I hear from the other room this angelic voice saying, Um, it's Turn Off the Waterfall from Precious Nancy. And in that moment, I did not want... So I said, Alexa, stop the waterfall. I didn't want to admit I was wrong. So then I said it so I could just run out of the room. And I was like, Alexa, turn off the waterfall. And, And I just ran away so I didn't have to face the humility that I didn't have the words right and grandma's sitting there laughing on the couch for 10 minutes because I'm going through this act of futility. My words were not reliable. My friends' words matter. And the words in scripture are reliable. 98%, over 98%, reliable. And the only variance had to do with punctuation And and some conjunctions. That is amazing. Archaeological evidence. I'm going to give you some words here. You're going to need to look them up. The Gilgamesh account. The Lachish account. Hezekiah's tunnel. There's a dispute that was happening by textual criticism criticism, uh, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s wanting to discount the book of Daniel because there's a king's name listed in there that does not appear in the Babylonian records or the Assyrian records or the Persian records. I studied this probably five, six years ago, so I apologize. I don't have the names. I can't remember exactly, but I'm going to give you the, 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 uh, the essence of it. Through archeology span in that region, I think it was in the late 90s, they uncovered a steel that had the name of this individual that German theologians were using as proof that Daniel should not be part of Scripture. Because it's in Daniel, but it's not in any of the histories of Assyria, Persia, or Babylon. And right there on the side of this steel, the name appears in archaeology. Do a study sometime. Just Google top ten archaeological finds that prove the Bible. There are so many ways that our scriptures could be proven unreliable, and yet they have not. How can you have secure steps? One, focus on the reliability of scripture. Do we have that video? Can we roll that video? Okay, let's try this. While she's figuring that out, I'm going to set this up. The next one is authority of Scripture. You're in a conversation, someone says. Okay, go ahead. Since God cares about the oppressed Christians mm. embrace critical theory. Because it's okay, let's, let's not. Too. We're trying, folks. We're trying. Um, so the next one is the authority of Scripture. By the way, I don't have time. I don't have anything. Y'all need to throw a brick at my head or something. Or a you know a blood pressure thing or something. A pill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll take a pill, brother. Okay. So back to the cipher of security. The next one, if you if you're keeping up with the acronyms, it's the authority of Scripture, and the Scripture I want you to hold on to here, Matthew 7, 28 through twenty nine, and when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. We go on to look at another passage, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, under the auspices of authority of Scripture. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Have you ever been in a situation and there's a crisis and nobody knows who to look to and maybe somebody looks at you and and you're like, "Uh -uh, I don't have the authority to make that call. We have insecure steps in moments of crisis. And maybe we have those insecure moments because those authorities that we submit ourselves to have not been faithful. They're not reliable. And so we bounce around underneath from authority to authority to authority to authority. What causes you to make the decisions you make? Is it Scripture? And do we see Scripture as reliable to be the, not a, but to be the authority in our life. How does that even work? Let me give you a taste of it. Number one, you have to believe that it's breathed out by God. The scripture is actually the words of God, and that it is profitable for teaching. How many of us have walked out of a class and said, wow, was that profitable? If you did, you were able to remember that class right now, weren't you? Now, take it up to some training. There are moments where we have had some training and felt that way, and we can remember it. What made it so significant? Because the authority that was sharing the information with you, the documents with you, was reliable, and that their authority was based or predicated off of reliable information. And because where that authority steered you, or guided you to, was profitable for the situation, for others, or for yourself. It is profitable for teaching, it's profitable for reproof, or correction, or training in righteousness. Do we even care about righteousness? That's one of the biggest questions for us. How many of us predicate our choices and our decisions every day based off of how righteous they are? That's a good way to test and see, is this even part of our mix of how we think? I know it's a challenge for me. The beauty of this is that when we let the Scriptures be our authority, that it, what, what, <clears throat> what Paul is saying here is that because of allowing the Scripture to have that much authority in our life, we can be complete. We can be equipped for every good work in a reliable sense. Under the authority of Scripture, let me ask these questions. What or who controls your thinking? Let's go back to my little tete-a-tete over on the north side of Concord on Monday around 2 o'clock. Right? There was a doctor there thinking, what are you thinking and he started to ask me a bunch of questions to try to figure out, and the next thing I know, he, he's hinting at the fact that maybe I'm not taking my blood pressure medication because I can't afford it. So he goes into this long explanation saying, these things, I can get you 100 pills for $10. Can you afford that? I'm like, that's not the issue. Really the issue is we tried to get it renewed a year and a half ago, and you weren't available, And so I just stopped taking it and was trying to renew and never got around to it, and I don't feel any different. Isn't that how we make our decisions? Isn't that the authority in our life is how we feel? It's a ticking time bomb. And that's what my doctor was trying to say to me, is you think you feel fine, and yet It's going to catch up to you. So what or who controls your thinking? Usually for most of us, it's our feelings, isn't it? What a challenge that is. What a sinking pit of miry clay that is. There is no substance for my feet to grab hold and to stand secure when my feelings dictate my choices. Now, I am not dis hear me clearly, the Lord is not discounting your feelings. Jesus wept with Mary and the friends of Lazarus, didn't he? Our feelings matter, but to allow our feelings to control our choices often get us in a wayward situation. Do you agree with that? What informs your decisions? Is it scripture? Let me throw one. I'm going to send you some high heat right now. Triple digits inside heater. You ready? Here's the one thing in the discussion over this entire past year that's been missing, and I've been waiting for somebody to say it. I've not heard it once. Now, I haven't listened to every pastor that's out there. I haven't listened to every service that's out there. But in my small, equitable world... We talk a lot about the sovereignty of God. Isn't it amazing that we talk about the sovereignty of God when it's convenient? But here we are with all these chairs spaced out, half of our church at home. Churches all over feeling damaged, we're wearing masks. Let me ask you a question. If you believe in the sovereignty of God, do you think he's marked out your days? How many have even quoted that scripture? He's numbered our days on earth. You think a mask is gonna give you one hour more than the Lord has intended for you? Oh, shh, pastor, don't talk about that. Don't talk about that, because we don't really have an answer for it. Let me give you the high heat inside how convenient and let me just say this because it seems hypocritical hypocritical because your church leadership has done what we can to obey the authorities because we see that as reasonable we see it as reasonable because it's a biblical authoritative statement whether i agree with those authorities or not our main concern has been your health and not putting you in danger Moving forward, we have some very important things, and you all need to listen. Some of you we know are staying home because it's convenient and it's easy. God has not called you to convenience. He has called you to pick up your cross and to be the church. Some of you, there is a good reason to stay home. Please hear me clearly on that. But if there is a sense of laziness by the church body and you're not fulfilling your purpose as the church... Then the enemy won. The enemy came in and he stole the church away. There's a reason why we have taken the position we've taken. But we're looking forward to being able to maybe even purchase some medical equipment that will clean this room out in just a few short minutes, 99% of all viruses. And this will be one of the safest places you can gather, probably even safer than your home. What will be our excuse then? When I think about the sovereignty of God, 1968, Hong Kong flu. What did they cancel in 1968? By the way, I believe in science. So anybody who wants to take issue with me or umbrage with me and what I'm saying right now, I'm basing this off of fact. Data, that's science. What did they close in 1968 based off the Hong Kong flu? Nothing. By the way, I can hear the tension in my own voice. You guys okay so far? Okay. Close nothing. How many people died from the Hong Kong flu? One million people in the U.S. I just looked on Thursday how many people have died from the coronavirus or COVID-19 in the U.S. 500,000. And the top scientists are ready to declare by April that we've reached immunity. I've read it in two articles. But we shut down. We shut down because we obeyed authorities. And you can look in scripture and see over and over where the Lord brought in authority. I believe to a certain extent the sovereignty of God has tested the church. And thank you. Because you in the room, you in the room have said the church matters. And some of you that are at home, you have said that the church matters, but some have found out that they're really not interested in the difficulties and the challenges that this virus has handed, and they've given up a lot of the things and the purposes that God has laid on them to move forward. I'm using this extra time because we had a great video, an IMCBC video in the queue ready to go and so I'm trying to give some of that message right now. Um, Hang on just a second, let me finish this thought. The other point I say is this, I, I fully believe in being careful medically, not being irresponsible. That's why I wear a mask. I I wear the mask for you. I wear the mask for authority. I wear the mask not for my authority. (laughs) I wear the mask because I've been asked to wear the mask. And it's really not that big of a deal. Right? If I can wear this jacket and sweat so that I can please my wife, I can wear a mask for a few more weeks. But to turn it to a serious note, for those of us that have given up on the purposes of what God has for his church and to be unified as the church because of our personal preferences, isn't that great? Isn't that great that we have that freedom to do something like that under the sovereignty of God? But what do I get to say to David and Sujana who had no choice about their daughter going home in 18 months? What do I say to Justin and Ashley whose daughter passed away and went home to be with the Lord at 13 months or 14 months? What do I say to Anna whose son was taken from her at 20 21? Do I Isn't it amazing you've not heard anything about the sovereignty of God for the church in context to all that's happened? I'm here to tell you God is still with us. He is faithful and he is still with us and he is still sovereign. That doesn't give us permission to act irresponsible or unkind or to disregard authority, but it does shape my thinking more than all the cultural biases that are hanging out there. Does that make sense? Doesn't mean I'm throwing out some of the information that my culture or that 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 our government is giving us or or health organizations, right? I did that one Monday. Oh no, I'm not going to I'm not going to take my medication. I think it's stupid. I feel fine. You're an idiot and you're about to die. Okay, I think I'll go ahead. He didn't say that. He didn't actually say that. I mean, that's what I heard, but he didn't say that. There is a place for this authority. It is underneath biblical authority. Amen? How do you make your decision? Let me wrap up. Scripture's authority is secure because it is proven, perfect, and it performs, not because of our affirmation. So let's go to the last one, to form Rad, the cipher of security. Keeping up with those acronyms. Design of Scripture. How is Scripture designed? My goodness, is there going to be any more time for music today? Just going, going, going. Design of Scripture. 2 Peter 1, three through 3-4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. What I want you to key in on there is the design of Scripture is so that we can know God. This is one of the best passages ever for you to memorize or to hold dear to your heart because it's saying what? His divine power has granted. Have you ever had something granted to you? Let me help you out real quick. That euphoric feeling when the, when the mortgage company emails you or calls you and tells you, Tells you, you have closed. It has been granted to you all things that pertain to life and godliness. So, through God's power, He has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through what? The knowledge of Him. This is the design of Scripture. How do we know who God is? How do we know the will of God? How do we know our place before God? Through Scripture. It was his choice, and somebody said this to me in my late 20s, and it helped me understand the Bible. We get so muddled into all the details and all the different books and the verses and the chapters, and they brought it back out from a crow's eye view and said to me, "Scripture's real simple to understand. I said, what are you talking about? He said, it's God sharing with you what you need to know so that you know him. When you start there with scripture, all of a sudden you have a really good pivot point to understand what his interpretation, what his meaning is, what his authority, what his reliability is, right? So he's granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious And very great promises. Amen? So that through them you may become partakers in the divine nature. Do you know that as a believer in Jesus Christ, you get to partake in the divine nature? Thank you, brother. That's where the authority comes in. We listen to the lies of so many people around us and and how they demean us and how they characterize us. I had a whole video about CRT. You know what CRT is? Perfect illustration of why biblical authority should be over cultural authority. As a matter of fact, who knows who's in charge anymore these days? Or who to trust these days? CRT is critical race theory. And it's being given in corporation after corporation, university after university, school after school. You're gonna ha- I'm gonna show this video later at some point in time because you need to see how it fits with a biblical authority and how it works. This goes all the way back to my response during our prayer meeting, during the march over on Clayton Road. I did a video real quickly and I said, racism is never gonna be solved this side of heaven. You know why racism will never be solved this side? Because it just cycles around. With a different face. You know why it'll never be solved? No matter what we do with it, whether we critical race theory it, whether we do uh, reparations, whether we do emancipation, whatever, do you know why it will never change? Sin. The world will never see sin as the issue. So what do they do? Futile efforts to change our behavior. But our behavior will never change as a society. Not to the point of perfection. Not to the point of fully eradicating what's at the root of racism. But what is scriptural? Now there is, there is, uh, there is now... Therefore, there is neither Jew nor Greek nor Scythian, nor Barbarian, nor male, nor female. In Christ Jesus, we are all what? One. That's biblical authority. The design of Scripture is that we understand the purpose to which we're called and so that we can know God. The last point Is summarized this way. Number one, the design of Scripture is we can know who God is through Scripture. The promise is there. What we need to know about God is there, pertaining to all things of life and godliness, right? Secondly, we can learn His purpose for our life. I shared this with you last week that one of the most important things that gives us the ability to have peace in our life is to know that regardless of our circumstances. We're fulfilling our purpose. There is our security in our steps and our paths leading forward. We can participate in his power and glory. In close, let me just share with you, we had one of our church members come to us two weeks ago, the first service we were back and asked for prayer because she's in an immense amount of pain continually over and over and over. And she asked if the elders would, wouldn't pray for her or pray over her for healing of this pain. And I was overjoyed because here's, here's why we're together. We could have prayed from far, and we were praying from afar. You know what that request said to me? Prayers from afar wasn't good enough for me. I know you're praying for me, Pastor, but I want to be physically present. I want the elders to be physically present to pray over me. And Brad and Hanny and I got to pray over this individual. She contacted me two, three days later via email, and there were some all caps in that email saying, for the first time, I've been pain-free since the moment you guys prayed for me. His divine power has granted to us, we get to participate. You know what? That's going to lead us into greater efforts of prayer. Should it not? Greater efforts of prayer because those secure steps change lives. That's the path we want to walk down. So. What documents are you paying attention to? Which ones are you reading? Don't read the ones that are lying to you. Don't read the ones that you pridefully hold to and espouse. Hold to this document and the, the bookmarks that fall out of it. Hold to this document. That's not a picture of my doctor, just in case you're wondering. He didn't. That doctor looks compassionate, doesn't he? It was a little like that. The the, the doctor leaned forward and tilted his head. And then he just furrowed his brows and like, what were you thinking? Great question. What was I thinking? My steps were shaky. And when it comes to our spiritual walk, the reliability needs to be based on the word of God. Amen? Amen.